If you have your Bibles, turn with me to uh, Esther chapter 4. We're going to dig into the Word this morning, and uh, it's an honor whenever I get a chance to uh, speak the Word of God, whether it's a Wednesday or Sunday. And uh, I'm not going to have a lot of slides today, uh, very little Scripture slides, because I love pages turning, so hopefully you brought your Bible or at least your phone with you, if nothing else. Um, but turn with me to Je- uh, Esther chapter 4. And when Mark gave me this, this assignment for this week, as we continue to walk through the story as we've been going through, um, I told him and our staff that I will not bow to culture. I'm preaching on Esther. It's Father's Day, but I will preach what the Holy Spirit lays on my mind. I will not bow to culture, and yet I kind of bowed to culture. What are you going to do? When the Holy Spirit gives you a word, you've got to just go with it, right? So hopefully you'll get in your word. We're going to watch a short video that gives you a recap, just a little three-minute recap of the book of Esther and just walks us through the entire story. It's a very short book, um, but it'll actually walk us through the whole story and then we'll get into what God is speaking to us today on the book of Esther, uh, most of which have the famous Verse, we actually have a plaque at our house, you know, for maybe, for perhaps that this is the reason you've been created for, right? Um, when I was going over this message, man, it was so interesting because I just, I prayed that the Holy Spirit would speak and, you know, fully prepared for whatever He laid on my heart. And it was just so interesting that this lined up on Father's Day because what God showed me was this dude named Mordecai that wasn't a side character, but he truly was like a co-lead with Esther throughout the entire book. Um, you know, many times today, will you, have anybody ever heard the term spiritual father besides me? And it's interesting because Mor- Mordecai wasn't an actual father, right? He was actually Esther's cousin, if you've read the story. And he adopted her as his own daughter. And I find it interesting all throughout the book, this relationship goes beyond just a, a father-daughter blood relationship, and truly into a connection spiritually. Because the conversations that Esther and Mordecai had go beyond dating or go beyond this and that, and they are deeper issues like spiritual issues and challenging issues. And so I really want to dig into this relationship between Mordecai and Esther because at the end of the day, I believe God, through His Word, reveals Himself, right? And I believe within the Word, He also reveals who He has designed us to be. And this book of Esther never once mentions the name of God, and at the same time, His story and His love and His compassion and His bravery is all throughout this book of Esther. And one of the things that really stuck out to me as I read this was this relationship between Mordecai and Esther. How many people in this love in this room love the book of Esther? Love the story of Esther. She's just, she is a beefy woman, right? Like, we just love those verses. If I perish, I perish, right? It's exciting, it's fun, but I want you to really focus in on this morning. We need to understand, as brave as Esther was, she had moments of weakness. And in those moments of weakness, she needed a man named Mordecai to hold her accountable, to raise her. Because somebody installed that bravery in her. It didn't just naturally happen. And because the truth of the matter is, there would be no Esther without Mordecai. There wouldn't be. 
who taught her to fast? Because after this story, after she call, you know, Mordecai calls her out and says, you know, you can't, which we'll get into. What did Esther do? She wrote a letter back to Mordecai and say, fast and pray for three days. Have all the people in the family, all the people around for three days. Don't eat anything fast for me. I'll do the same to the people around me. And three days from now, I'll go before the king. And if I perish, you know what? I perish. Who taught her how to fast in times of need? Mordecai did. When she was at her weakest point, when she was scared to death, when she was scared to lose everything, who challenged her? Mordecai. Who raised her to love and serve Jesus and love the Word? Actually, not Jesus, but who designed her and who raised her? Obviously, God was at work through all of this. We understand that. God is sovereign. His wisdom, His power. He is in control of it all, but He uses people. And in the life of Esther, He used Mordecai. Without Mordecai, there would be no Esther. Just like in my life, there would not be Brian Kraft without a guy named Chris Story. And Chris Story was my youth pastor growing up, and I've got a picture of him on here. Um, he was my youth pastor growing up, and he, God placed Chris Story in my life at a very crucial time in my life. Um, for those who don't know my testimony, at, at 10 years old, I found a dirty magazine inside a... Uh, family pizza parlor in Smith Station, Alabama, at 10 years old, got addicted to pornography. And by 13, I tried to put a knife in my chest, and God saved my life. And right around that time is when Chris Story entered into my life. And you're talking about this overweight white kid who was homeschooled his whole life, so had no people skills, did not have friends. And all of a sudden, this really cool youth pastor, man, I mean, he had a lanyard. Like, he carried his keys on a lanyard, right? Like, that's awesome when you're 13, 14 years old, you know? And so he entered my life, and there was a man who was not my dad, and me and my dad always had a rough relationship anyways. But here was a guy who chose to love me when I truly was unlovable. When I was that annoying kid, I mean really annoying kid, that would go up and grab his little, you know, hairs on the side of his face just to annoy him. I mean, just terrible kid. Terrible and yet he still would love me. He still would hang out with me. He still, in the middle of the day, would take me out to eat. Because I was homeschooled, so I didn't, you know, I didn't, I could do anything I wanted to. Um, it's really sad how true that was. Um, I love you, Mama. She's here today, so that's the whole reason I can say that. Um, but I, I'll never forget the moments, little moments where he invested in my life, one specific one that sticks out to me is he had a tradition with his dad all growing up. Big Alabama fan, right? Big Alabama fan. So he had a tradition with his father, and his dad only lived 30 minutes away at the time. But this specific Iron Bowl Saturday, him and his dad would always throughout his life get up in the morning, get the paper that morning, and then go eat breakfast together, read the paper, and talk about the Iron Bowl that day. That was just their tradition as a father and son. And I'll never forget one Saturday, his dad only lived 35 minutes away, but that Saturday he chose to pick me up and take me out to Shoney's Breakfast Buffet, sit down with the paper and talk college football and talk about the Iron Bowl that Saturday morning. To a zero self-confidence, overweight, annoying brat of a kid who had no friends, Chris Story invested into my life. And he taught me things like 
how to love Jesus, how to calm down, how to leave people alone. I didn't learn it very well, but he still poured it into me. He taught me how to be a gentleman. You know, it was a rule in his youth group that no man, no male person would ever eat at any youth event before a lady. Every lady in the entire youth group would always eat first. They would go through fast food lines. They would do everything. He was so forceful about teaching his teenagers how to respect ladies. I mean, he just would. And so he taught me how to respect adults. I love one of the biggest compliments I got uh, a few weeks back. I saw one of my mentors, Ron Cox, the former pastor at uh, Kingwood in JCPenney. And we started talking. I asked him how he was doing, you know, because I sincerely wanted to know. And he looked at me so confused. He said, how did you get like you are? He said, how does a man like you, a young man like you, care so deeply about his elders that you would ask such questions? He said, I don't see that. He said, I travel around the world, and I do not see young people who respect their elders and who truly care. How did you get like that? And the first place my mind went to was Chris Story, because he taught me to respect my elders. He taught me to honor my elders and honor women. I wouldn't be Brian Kraft without Chris Story. And I guarantee if I were to pass the mic around the room, every one of you would probably have that same story. You would have somebody inside your life that you go, I would not be the person I am today without blank. I wouldn't be the person I am today without my dad. And trust me, that's not the only person. I mean, come on, you've met my mom. You know she invested in my life. You know I have other people, a Wade mom, a pastor at Greenway Church in Orlando. He and he, I could go on and on with the people who have invested into me, a Mark Davis, a John Trahan, even in this room. I can go on and on about all the people that have invested into me. But all those people, when I look back on Father's Day, I see that they didn't need to be blood to be fathers to me. They made a difference in my life because they committed. Trust me, Chris Story, at some point, like that commitment had to wear thin. It just had to. But the man was committed to investing his life into a brine craft. We are the people today because of those people who've invested into us. And I want you, when we look at the story of Esther, I do not want us to overlook how important and how crucial Mordecai was. And I want each and every one of us, hopefully by the end of today, we understand that there's a young woman, a young man, a co-worker, an employee, a child out there who has the opportunity to look and stand in front of a church one day that says, I am the person I am today because of a Wendy Farmer. Because of a Sean Gregory. Because of a John Trahan. Because of a Marlene Kraft. Because of a Steve Taylor. There is someone out there right now who is just like the orphan Esther who has no one there to feed into her. There has no one there to protect them spiritually and emotionally. They have no one there to feed into and teach them the love of Jesus. Teach them the importance of fasting. Teach them the importance of God's Word. And they are looking for somebody and that somebody... God is calling you. And that is a serious thing. It's too easy for us to look at the end result of who Esther was and forget it took Mordecai investing into her to become that brave woman that says, if I perish, if I perish. Too many times we look to Esther and say, I want to be as brave as Esther instead of looking at Mordecai going, I want to invest and have a legacy like Mordecai did. And I challenge you on this Father's Day as we dig into the Word 
start seriously questioning, man, who is God calling me to be to someone else? It scares me to see how self-centered the church has become in America today. We're so concerned about us getting better. We're so concerned about our relationship with God growing and focusing on getting our lives together that we forget God saves us to send us out, to make a difference beyond ourselves. He didn't save you just to you to focus on you. You focus on you so you can help others. And I'm telling you, in this kind of church, when we have so many broken people coming in here, we need every person, whether you've been sober a week or sober six years, it doesn't matter. If you've been saved for a month or saved for a lifetime, it doesn't matter. Someone out there needs you to be a Mordecai because they could be the next Esther. There could be the next Esther sitting in this room that one day will save our nation. Why couldn't she be sitting in this room? Why couldn't he be sitting in this room? But unless there's a Mordecai, there will be no Esther. So what made Esther? Obviously God did. But we know that Mordecai helped. He played his part. So what can we learn about God? There's so many truths about God within this. I'm trying to, trying to narrow this down. But I really believe God shows us in this story the need for Mordecai's, for men and women of God to reach beyond themselves, to reach to a community, reach to orphans. Maybe it is social, maybe it is physical, but even beyond that, we need godly men and women to pour their lives and commit to pour their lives into men and women who need Jesus, who need spiritual fathers and mothers. Darlene and I had a conversation, and hopefully she won't you know, murder me for this, um, but she didn't have a great relationship growing up with her father. And I remember on a Wednesday night, we talked about parenting, and she goes, how can I turn around and show something that I didn't see as a kid? Esther didn't have parents, but he did. she did have a Mordecai. And I guarantee there's some Mordecais in this room that you can look to and get wisdom for. And I truly believe the Bible speaks so clearly on the wisdom of having wise, godly counsel in your life. Proverbs 12, 15, Proverbs 15, 22, Proverbs 8, 26, Proverbs 1, 7, Psalm 1 through 3. Let's read some of these. Psalms 1 through 3. I told you, I don't have a lot of scripture up here because I want you to read your Bible. Psalm 1 is actually where we get our CLF logo from. A tree planted on the water. Psalm 1 This is what it reads. It says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates on day and night. He would be like a tree firmly planted in the streams of water, which yield fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. Proverbs 8.26 says, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. Well, i got to follow my heart. Let me tell you, your heart is exceedingly wicked, according to the Word of God. You need to get out of your head and get into God's Word. Proverbs 8.26 says, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. 
We need godly instruction in our life. We need spiritual fathers and, and spiritual mothers in our life. If you're a mom or if you're a woman in this room, man, please listen. We need spiritual mothers in this room to stand up, to commit, to invest into the lives of women. And I'm challenging you, not this morning to, to and so many times, if, you, if you've ever heard me speak, you know I push and I push and I push to take advantage of the spiritual, godly leaders in this church. Am I right? I mean, how many, really, how many people know that I push you way too hard, right? Okay, there's a reason why. But this today, I'm not going there. What I want you to understand is you are a spiritual mentor to somebody. And hopefully that scares the snot out of you, first of all. Because it'll take your relationship with God and go, man, I better really get dig into God's Word. Because if I start pulling from my knowledge, I'm going to really screw that person up. So I love pushing people into counseling and discipling others because it challenges your own walk with God. But I really want us to be challenged this morning to fulfill the one another commandments that God has given us inside of His Word. Because He has given us so many commands that we are to be held accountable, that we are to invest, that we are to commit to one another and to truly be Mordecai. So, let's get into what does it mean? What does it mean to be a Mordecai? What, how can we apply this truth to our life? How can we learn from Mordecai? And how can we learn from this book of Esther? The first thing is this. Mordecai has and he teaches faith in God. He, pushed, he taught Esther how to run to God. Right? I mean, she didn't just magically learn how to fast when things got tough. He had faith. We see his faith in, if you've got your Bibles open to chapter 4, verse 12 through 14, we see his faith in God so clearly in this verse. And as if you recall the story, Esther, or we get the, blah, Mordecai learns about this plot to destroy all the Jews. And what the, at the end of the video, he said the king reverses the order. Technically, the king didn't reverse his order because an order, once he goes out, cannot be reversed. So we made another order that the Jews can defend themselves. I digress. So anyways, Mordecai finds out about this plot, tells Esther, you need to do something. Esther writes back and says, well, if anybody goes before the king, you know what? They're going to be killed. That was her reply. And this is Mordecai's reply. And I love something he said because it proves his faith and knowledge that God is sovereign and he, got, he knew God's promises. He knew the promises he gave Abraham that the line of Jesse would go all the way. He would save the world. The people of Israel through Abraham would prosper long term. He would use those people to eternally set everybody free. So he knew the Jews weren't going to end in this. He had faith in God and faith in his promises. And we see it in chapter 4. Read with me in verse 12. They related Esther's words to Mordecai. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. He didn't say, well, you've got to do something. We're about to die. He said, no, no, no. It's not about us. God's going to deliver us. He had so much faith in God that he looked at Esther and went, no, it's, you either play your part or you don't. That's fine. God's will is going to be done. Like, that's how much faith Mordecai had. He just looked at Esther and said, if you don't, you and me are dead. That's it. God's plan is going to continue whether you do it or not. 
And I believe that's what he's telling America today. My plan will be carried out whether you do your part or not. But maybe this is why, this is the day, this is the reason I created you for such a time as this. What did, what did, what did Esther do in return? You're right. Fast for three days. I'll do the same. And then I'm going to go before the king. And if I perish, you know what? I perish. Oh, well. That's faith. She knew what to do. That tells me Mordecai's faith, he taught to Esther. And in a moment of weakness, Esther can look around at a palace. She can look at her life and go, I don't know about this, man. I'd have to lose my life about this. But Mordecai went, God's plan is going to be done. Remember who put you there and why he put you there. Maybe this is the moment. We have the word of God preached at CLF every single week on Sundays and Wednesdays. Not opinion, but the word of God is preached. I truly believe that. So if you've been around here, you have the word of God inside of you. And I'm going to challenge you. If you feel like you have nothing to give, make it about God. Share your faith. Remind other people who God is. That's what they need. Remind people about who God is. Because at the end of the day, Mordecai didn't say, you have the power. He didn't say, you have to. He reminded her of who is in control. And to be a Mordecai, first of all, you have to believe in Jesus. You have to believe and you have to know who God is. You have to know that God's sovereign. You have to know that he's wise. You have to know that he's good. You have to know that he's faithful. Like you, in your personal life, it's about you knowing God on a deeper level. And then what do you do? You turn around and you take what you have learned about God and you invest it into others. And you help others understand that God's sovereign. What you're going through right now, you're going to make it because God's sovereign. It doesn't matter what your life looks like. It doesn't matter how bad you've been or how good you've been or what you have or how long you've been saved. You have the word of God that you can look at them and go, I know this is true. And it says God is sovereign. God is in control. He works all things together for good for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. And I know that he, you love him. And he's going to work this out. It may not be comfortable, but God's going to work it out. Like those little conversations, you never know what little conversations. You're telling me a two, three sentence letter that Mordecai wrote back. Just two or three sentences changed the life of Esther and her entire family. What could you, one word of encouragement, one time of sitting down having a coffee, what will that do to change the life and the course of someone else, of someone else's entire family. Because what did Mordecai say? He said, if you don't, not only will you die, but your entire family will. Me too. One challenge could change the life and change the family, change the direction of someone forever. Don't discount the faith in God and just the small little investments. Come on, how big is a breakfast on Iron Bowl Saturday? Why can I tell you about it almost 20 years later? 
Little investments long-term go a long way. Who I am is because of someone like Chris Story, because he taught me how to have faith in Jesus. I can still remember a sermon he did. I still, rem- I still have notes from sermons that he did. There's a sermon specifically, and it's going to be hilarious because I'm going to tell him, I'm going to send this message to him. He's going to laugh at this. I remember one specific sermon he did. God loves it when you sweat. And he preached on the Jews or on the priests in Joshua when they carried the Ark of the Covenant across the Jordan River. The Ark of the Covenant had to sit with the priests holding it in the middle of the Jordan River while the entire nation of Israel walked didn't drive, walked across that river. And they had to sit here and stand and watch the entire people of Israel walk by them. And they had to sit here and hold the Ark of the Covenant. And that guarantee, 600,000 people, whatever it was, did not take an hour. It took a long, long time. And sometimes God causes you to sweat and work hard so that other people will get salvation. Sometimes you have to be the one sweating, holding the ark so that everybody else can see the promised land before you do. How can I remember that 17, 18 years later? Because of the man who preached it invested into my life. A Mordecai has and he teaches faith. Second thing is this, a Mordecai commits and invests into people in need. And don't get up, I don't want you to get too hung up on the word in need. There's, there's a desperate need in our culture for spiritual fathers and mothers. And you know what? Maybe it is. Maybe it is a financial need that you need to help fill. Maybe it is an adoption that God's calling you to. I don't know. But I know for a fact that there is a spiritual need in this culture for men and women to step up and invest their lives into people. Major need. And I'll tell you what, I, there's a reason why I come early on a Wednesday night. I want my son to be awake and fully functional when I leave on a Wednesday night because I want to look at him in the eye and go, I'm going to invest Jesus in other people. I want him to see the simple fact that I will not, sac- I will not use all of the giftings, all of the things that God has done in me to pour my life into just two people, just my little family. God has given me too much. He has done too much in me and given me too much wisdom to just just invest in those three little people. And I guarantee if you've been here longer than a day, God has placed too much in you through this church to not invest into someone else because there's a desperate need. Holy mackerel, read the news. Go on Facebook. Yes, I'm encouraging you to go on Facebook. Don't tell me there's not a need for spiritual fathers and mothers to invest into people. You don't think we need somebody going, hey, this is so stupid. Why are you posting this? But you got to do it in love. I know. God's still working on me with that one. Um, But, I mean, look around. If you were just to open your eyes, walk downtown Kalira at 7.30 at night and tell me there's not a need. Walk downtown Alabaster at midnight and tell me there's not a need for spiritual fathers and mothers. Montevallo, Calera, our communities. We need men and women of God to look beyond our just our four walls of our house. 
beyond just our kids. We want to look at our kids and go, man, these, this is what God's given me. Absolutely. What are you teaching them? That their family is an idol to be worshipped before everything else? It could mean adoption. It could mean you take on sponsoring a child. But it also could mean that you come to church 30 minutes early to sit down and have a cup of coffee with somebody who's really struggling with their kids. It could mean you give up a Friday night at home with your family to sit down with somebody who's struggling financially and sit down and do a budget with them. It could mean that, you know what? Let's go with the used car a lot left, with half the price, a lot more mileage to fulfill what God is calling us to do in giving to that missionary overseas or to helping a family in need. It could be the fact that you get an extra paycheck, you know? June just happened to be one of those months that we got three paychecks instead of two. Yes! Is our first thought, what can I buy off my wish list? Or God, how do you want me to use this finances to help someone else? Are we us focused or others focused? Mordecai saw a need and he invested in it. Esther chapter 2, and I love the simple fact that the word invest, 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 just keeps just <clears throat> going in my mind. Esther chapter 2, verse 10, this is, what Esther, or this is what Mordecai did. This is when she was going through the beauty school, and they were trying to figure out who the next king was. And Mordecai said, Now the young lady was pleased him and found favor with him, so he quickly provided her with her cosmetics and food, gave her seven choice maids from the king's palace, and transferred her and her maids to the best palace in the harem. Esther did not make known her people to her kindred, for Mordecai had instructed her that she should not make them known. So she respected Mordecai enough to listen. Verse 11 says, Every day... Mordecai walked back and forth in front of the court of the harem to learn how Esther was and how she had fared. And that, to me, screams commitment. Don't forget, this is an adopted daughter. And I understand there may be people who here were adopted, and I'm probably actually sure that there are. And you know the connection with that father or mother who adopted you is very strong. But I... In my spirit, I feel like this is beyond just a father and daughter relationship because of the conversations they had about spiritual things. I truly believe that we are lacking so much in the church a commitment to invest into one another. And it scares me. Because we can't do this on our own, y'all. I fail when I try to do it on my own. I just do. I mean, I fail bad. Really bad. And there was such a kindred spirit. There was such a commitment that Mordecai, that literally every single day, every single day, he would go and walk back and forth just waiting to hear how she's doing. Just waiting to hear. wonder how she did today. You know, this is day six of day seven, and this is, you know, this is going on, and this is going on. I wonder if she said anything. I wonder how the king likes her. I wonder, you know, I wonder if she's doing this. Every day, just waiting, 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 
And if you've ever, parents, if you ever had a kid go off to college and, and you drop them off and you go home, Bill and Jenny get the opportunity to experience this, and you go home and you're sitting here wondering the whole time, I wonder how they're doing. I wonder how they're doing. Man, I know these classes are tough. I wonder how they're doing. You know, I, you know. I, why? Because you love them, man. You want their best. You've invested a lot into them, and you want them to do well with it, right? So every day they would wait. And imagine, like, when your kid gives that first phone call about school. How happy are you? How excited would you be? Could you imagine every day when Mordecai got word, Esther's doing great. King loves her. He's given her this. He's given her that. How it must have pleased his heart. And I know we're rambling, but Mordecai invested and committed his life into Esther. Every day, he was walking in front of that door waiting. He wasn't out chilling. He wasn't out playing golf. He wasn't out chilling with the homies. Every day, he had committed his life to Esther, and he wanted to see that she was doing well. And I truly believe one of the deepest issues facing our church, and include, the CLF is not going to escape this, but it's truly a deep commitment to one another. One another groups at this church, I pray, never become just another event we work into our schedules. Mark and I have had this conversation. One another groups are not another thing that we do at church. This is an opportunity for you to fulfill what God has commanded you to in a commitment and to fulfill all of the different aspects that God has called us one another to. Just to print a few, I printed this out. One another verses in the Bible. Pray for one another, James 5 through 16. Encourage one another, Hebrews 3, 12 through 13. Build one another up, 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. Confess our faults to one another, James 5, 16. Love one another, John 13, 34 through 35. On and on and on, God's word preaches. Be devoted, to, be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Bear one another's burden. Serve one another. Can I, I mean, I can just keep going on with all of the different ways that we are to be to one another, but it all starts with the commitment and dedication to one another. If we are so focused on our families and our lives and growing just our spiritual walk, we're going to miss out on everything that God has called us to be to one another. The world will see Jesus when, according to Jesus himself, when he sees the way me and you love each other, love one another. The world will see Jesus through the way we love one another. Can I truly love my wife without a deep commitment to her, to her well-being? No. And I challenge you guys, we're going to take a break from one another in July. When we start back in August, I challenge you to not look at your one another group as just another church event to go to on Friday nights, on Tuesday nights, on Saturday nights, on Sundays, whenever it is. Truly see it as an opportunity to be a Mordecai and to fulfill what God has told us to be to one another. Does that make sense? I feel like too many times when I've promoted one another groups that we've lost the focus on what we're called to do. We're not called to go to church. We're called to be the church. 
And we do that through loving, serving, committing, and investing into one another. Okay, I'll get off my high horse. Never mind, I'm going to say one other thing. Because I actually read my notes. These are good notes. I pray, and me and Mark talked about this, I do not want to get to the place where our one another groups turn into a age or social, social class-based one another group. I don't want a young family's one another group. I don't want a college and careers one another group. I don't want a single mom's one another group. You know why? Because then you will never grow beyond where you're at. I want our college and career classes to get around John Trahan. I want our college and career people to get around Steve Taylor. Why? Because I want them to have their results. I can't learn a super amount on how to be a great dad of a teenager hanging around a bunch of 30-year-olds. We need to learn and grow from each other. That's why I wanted to have one another groups. Not college and careers and all this other stuff. I'm sorry, but I just I want you to hear my heart behind this. We need all of us. I need to learn from Mark and Cindy. I need to learn from Victoria. Oh my gosh, she's younger than me. What? Because I can. I can learn from everybody. If I'm humble and kill my pride enough to listen. We need one another. Commit. Invest. I pray that we will continue to do that and deepen our relationship with each other over the next 12 months. All right. I beat that dead horse into the ground, so let's move on to the last one. Mordecai admonishes. A Mordecai admonishes. Got another one, another verse for you. Colossians chapter 3. I think I actually have this one on there. Hey, look at it. It's finally a verse on the screen. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. If you look up admonish in the new, I forget the which dictionary, New Life Webster's Dictionary, it says, admonish, to express warning about or disapproval of, especially gently, earnestly, and with great concern. Admonition means gentle or friendly reproof or counsel or warning against fault or oversight. That doesn't sound like a very friendly, fun thing, does it? Another word, here's my version. Call somebody out to the standards in which they have committed to in love. We don't hear a lot about that in church today. But another reason we have one another is to fulfill this command. And we see it in Esther chapter 4, if you've got your Bibles. Esther chapter 4, verse 9. We're going to reread some of the same verses, but I want you to pay attention to the admonishment that Mordecai gave Esther. Hatach came back and related Mordecai's words to Esther. Then Esther spoke to Hatach and ordered him to reply to Mordecai, all the king's servants and the people of the king's providences know that for any man or woman who comes to the king in the inner courts who is not summoned, he has but one law, that he be put to death unless the king holds out to him 
the golden scepter so that he may live. And I have not been summoned to come into the king for these 30 days. Let me take a break. What does that mean? That means Esther said, I haven't been summoned, so therefore if I go in, I'm probably going to die. I'm going to lose the life that I have in this palace. Does that sound like a super brave woman? Does that sound like, hey, if I perish, I perish? Doesn't sound like that, does it? We know that that's who Esther is. So where is this coming from? Because every one of us have moments of weakness in our life that we look around, we look into the face of pain and go, I don't want to do that. Christ did. He's sitting in the garden. What did he say? God, if there is any way, not like if there's a plan B, any other way on heaven, on earth, any other way, can we please do that? Like, please. But not my will, but yours be done. Even Christ had moments of weakness that he did not want to do something, that he looked in the face of it and go, I'm about, if I do this, I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to lose everything I built. I'm going to lose everything. I may even lose my life. In Christ's case, he did. But Esther was literally saying, I may lose everything. I may lose my very life. We all have moments of weakness where we let life, what we've built and what we have, the comforts that we have in our life, overwhelm what God is calling us to do. Even Esther, brave, powerful Esther we always hear about, even she had moments of weakness. What helped her overcome it? Glory to God. Read with me in verse 12. Excuse me, verse 13. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not imagine that you in the king's palace So he was pointing exactly to her comfort, exactly to the life she loved so much. Even you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the Jews. For if if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. Is that admonishing or what? to express warning about or disapproval of, especially gently, earnestly, and with great concern. Did you hear that? Did you hear that great concern? Did you hear that warning or disapproval? He wasn't going, you know what, Esther, it's okay. Just let the Holy Spirit lead you in the moment. It's okay. No, he's saying, if you don't do this, if you don't take advantage of this time, if you don't let the dying of your people break your heart to the place where you don't care about the life that you have, and you're going to perish. And everything that you think you've built up will be destroyed. It's all going to be gone anyways. Perhaps this is the very reason that God has given you that house, that God has given you that car, that God has given you that career. Maybe this is the very reason that God has placed you in the life you love so much. What does Esther respond Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go assemble all the Jews who are found in Susa. All the Jews. Everyone in the city. Don't just go to your local synagogue. Call them all. 
Call them all. Call every church we know. Call everybody. Get them to fast for me for three days. And I'll do the same with everybody in there. Don't, fat, don't eat. Don't drink for three days, day or night. And I and my maidens will also fast in the same way. And thus I will go into the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. We love that verse. But it took someone like Mordecai calling her out. And I'm telling you, Esther didn't need a pat on the back. She didn't need somebody saying, I'll pray for you on what to do. She needed someone who cared enough for her to call her out on her excuses and her justification for her non-action. She was willing to sit in the palace in a beauty of everything that she has. You can't tell me another Jew in that entire country and the entire existence of the Jews at that moment had it better than Esther. And she was going to sit at the top of the world and go, well, I can't do that. I may lose my life. I may lose this. We need men and women of God to have courage enough to admonish, to call out in love a believer who is sitting in their comfy life, their careers, their American dream of what they think they want their life to be and say, maybe today is the day. You have that house, you have that career for such a time as this. Man, I knew this wouldn't be popular. It might cost me my job. If I talk to that person about Christ, I may lose everything and I have spent years building this career. Who gave you the career? Maybe he gave it to you for such a time as this. Well, if I give that money away, I don't know how we're going to be able to pay this. I love my house. I love my car. I love my dog. What if he gave you those for such a time as this? Well, man, if we adopt a kid, man, it would put so much financial strain on us. We wouldn't be able to do this. We wouldn't be able to go out on the weekends. We may not be able to eat out. Maybe God gave you those finances for such a time as this. And we need men and women. We need a Mordecai to stand up and go, listen, God is not okay with your non-action. God's will will be done whether you do it or not. It doesn't matter. But you are the one who will pay the price. Mordecai said the Jews are going to be saved. But you are the one that will be destroyed. We need men and women who are gutsy enough and brave enough and have built relationships and invested enough into people's lives to be, have that moment where they can admonish. Because that admonishment only works through relationships. I don't have a right to call up somebody who I see once a week and go, hey, you need to sell your car, give it to somebody. We have no AC. Hand it over. I don't have a right to do that. But when I sit down with our one another group that we've been meeting for nine months, I can look at somebody in the face and say, you're letting that addiction control you and you're justifying it. You need to break it. Because I built that relationship with it. We need people who commit to a life committed to one another. What are we valuing most in our lives? I can tell you, it's the thing you're most fearful of losing. 
And I've seen it nine times out of ten, it's our families. I'm guilty. Panic attacks, anxiety attacks, right here, all about losing my family. What do we idolize? Are we idolizing our safety? When we lay down at night, are we praying for God's safety or God's will to be done? When we go out, when we pray, we pray, God, protect us. Right? I'm not saying that's a bad prayer, but is that what we're idolizing? Is that our goal, to live in safety? Or to live on the front lines, committed to one another and committed to communicating the word of God? Are we idolizing our families, our careers, our comforts? Chris, you guys can come back up. Unless Mordecai called out Esther on her fear, we would never have Esther today. And I want you to think about the people in Calera, in Montevallo, in your city, that do not have that spiritual father and mother. And let me tell you, they're crying out because one day they're going to be able to look back and go, if it wasn't for Chrissy, if it wasn't for Savannah, if it wasn't for Darian, I wouldn't be who I am today. But the problem is that takes a commitment, that takes an investment. What are you willing to do? What cost are you willing to give to fulfill what God has called you to be? Because we need Mordecai's. We need spiritual fathers. I'm so thankful for Chris Story. I'm so thankful for Wade Mum, for Wayne Kraft, for Mark Davis, for John Trahan, for Chris Kraft, for Ken Pounders, for Marlene Kraft. I can keep going. Every one of those people made me who I am today through Christ. And I can't imagine where I would be if Chris Story looked at that stinking brat of a 13-year-old and said, I can't do it. I don't have time for this. He annoys the crap out of me. He's pulling all the hairs out of my sideburns. I'm done. How many people are crying out? Because that's what it was. I look back now and realize all I was doing is just testing him, saying, at what point are you going to give up on me too? And I look back now and go, he never gave up on me. If it weren't for him, I wouldn't be here today. Are you willing to commit and to invest like Chris Story did into me? It could be a coffee on a Saturday morning. It could be disc golf and veterans. It could be staying up late night on the phone, talking things through. At what point are you willing to do that? And let me point out one other thing. Mordecai lived outside the palace, but he's the one that invested. Too many times we want the return on our investment. But Esther, Esther got the return on the investment, not Mordecai. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, I planted, this is Paul speaking, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither I who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, and you are God's field and God's building. I pray that that's the vision we can see of one another. They are temples of the Holy Spirit. They are investments that God has called us to invest into. And I challenge you today, who are you investing into? Who are you being a Mordecai for? 
Because there's need, man. There's need in this room, let alone when we walk outside. We need Mordecai's. We need men and women to stand up and be spiritual mothers and fathers to a generation who is lost, who is hurting, who is broken, and who is dying, and they have nowhere else to look. They're looking to our Hollywood actors. They're looking to our sports athletes. Are you encouraged that the kids of this generation are looking to those people for their influence? That scares me to death. Stand with me. I want to leave you with uh, the words of Paul, who was a spiritual father to a young pastor named Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor in Ephesus, and Paul wrote these words in 1 Timothy chapter 4. And I pray that these challenge you to be a Paul, to be a Chris Story, to be a Pastor Mark, to be a Mordecai to the to people around you that desperately need you. Verse writes, he says, Let no one look down on you. Let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Show yourself an example of those who believe. Until I come, give attention to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gifts within you, for which was bestowed on you through the prophetic utterances with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. Take pains, take pains, work hard with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Preserve these things. And get this, I want you to hear this as we leave. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourselves and those who hear you. Who will be the man, who will be the woman who will look back and say, I am me today because of you. Dear Heavenly Father, I love you. I worship you, God. I thank you for your word. Thank you for the story of Esther. Thank you for the story of Mordecai, Father. And thank you for the men and women who you have placed in this church with so much wisdom, so much love for Jesus. God, and I pray that you challenge our hearts and our minds, God, to be a Mordecai, to be a spiritual father, be a spiritual mom, not based on age, not based on status, not based on finances, not based on anything outside of the Word of God in us. Because there's somebody, each and every person in this room can look around and help and give and invest into. Challenge us, Father, to not just live so self-centered that we never look beyond ourselves and our families. You've placed us in Calera, and Montevallo, and Columbiana, in Helena, in Pelham, in Alabaster, for such a time as this. You've given us the tools, the resources, the talents, and you've given us your word, Father, so that we may communicate it strongly to those who need salvation. And the life we live impacts where others will spend eternity, God. May we take that responsibility seriously.